This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com/fool. It's Thursday, August 25th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio and Supernova, Simon Erickson. Happy Thursday, man. Happy Thursday, Chris. Always a pleasure joining you in the studio. Thanks for being here. And uh, as as we did last Thursday, we're doing a Facebook Live video as part of this. So so. Uh, well, I was going to say so. Let's let's see if we can nail this in one take. But that's that's really that's always our goal. Small company, Facebook. I heard of them before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Up and coming. Uh, our man behind the glass, Dan Boyd. We like, you know, we we don't want to work Dan too hard. We don't want to have him do any editing whatsoever. So, uh, so we're going to dip into the full mailbag. We're going to talk Internet of Things. We're going to talk Uber. Not a public company yet, but we are going to talk Uber. But let's start. Actually, you know what? Let's start. Let's start with um, one other thing before we get to the stories we're going to get to. If you're just looking at the business news today, I would argue that the story of the day is EpiPen. Yes. The EpiPen con- uh, controversy, the, um, uh, the company behind EpiPen, Mylan. And this is a story that's been really exploding this week. Uh, for those unfamiliar, uh, the EpiPen, the you know, if you've got if you're having an allergic reaction, you you take the EpiPen, you jam it into your leg, and it it saves your life essentially. And this is something that affects, depending on the numbers uh, that you see, somewhere between five and ten million people here in the U.S. Mylan, the company in question, is under fire because someone has has done the math on how much the cost of the EpiPen has gone up over the last eight years, along with how much the CEO's compensation has gone up over the last eight years. Um, This is a story definitely worth delving into. We're not going to talk about it here today, but fortunately, Industry Focus, which is the other daily podcast here at The Motley Fool, on yesterday's episode, uh, Christine Hargis and Todd Campbell spent about 10 minutes going through all the angles of this story. I highly Highly recommend listening to that episode. Uh, they did a great job unpacking all of it. There are a lot of moving parts to this, including some political, and um, and there's also a phenomenal Easter egg at the end of that episode. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just telling you, it's uh, you start about the 17 minute mark of yesterday's industry focus and go all the way to the end. It sounds like a good one, Chris. It is. A ve- it is really good. Um, let's talk workday. Uh, shares of Workday are hitting a 52-week high after record sales in the second quarter. Not exactly a household name, considering this is a $16 billion company, but but this is more of a. It's not really a consumer-facing company. This is if you're a, a finance professional or an HR professional, you're probably familiar with Workday's software. Uh, if you're a, a general consumer like me, you're you're unfamiliar. But this is a stock that's been on fire this year. It is, and we've got a, a good team in place for this. Like you said, Chris, this is a cloud-based HR software provider. David Duffield was the guy that that basically is is now the founder um, and chairman of the board for Workday, and he previously had a company called PeopleSoft that he sold. Same same industry, same same type of company. Um, it was. I shouldn't say he sold, it was purchased from him by Oracle for $10 billion years back. And now he's coming back and he's saying, hey, I want to have cloud-based analytics for HR. I want employees to have happier, or companies to have happier employees. And that's why you've got this software-as-a-service model. Uh, it's easy to upgrade that. It's easy to get analytics for that. And now Workday finds themselves right in the middle of this. One of the reasons you're seeing um, 
the street reacts so positively to Workday Lele's because they've had no problems getting new customers onto this Workday platform. Um, just this last quarter, they signed Samsung in South Korea. They signed IBM. And when you look at just IBM's 350,000 employees that just that one company has, they're having no problems landing a very, very large customer base onto this cloud-based software, which, of course, they're, recurring, they're getting recurring revenue from the subscriptions off of. Um, when you do that and you have the base, which is in their human capital management um, kind of core software, you can sell other add-on features to that, too, kind of the land and extend land and expand strategy, you know, planning software, financial software, student training software, stuff like this. And I think that that's really the core for any of these these SaaS-based businesses is, hey, can you uh, justify the upfront cost of getting somebody on your platform and selling them the original uh, core software, and then can you expand that over time? Uh, part of why they've had such a great year in terms of the stock, or certainly you know, maybe since the lows of February, is you saw this really Dramatic drop off, sort of from the beginning of 2016 to mid February, stock down about I don't know about 40 percent or so. I'm assuming at least a little bit of that, and it's 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 hard to remember now as the market is seemingly hitting new highs yet again every other week. But you go back to the first six weeks of 2016, yep. uh, the market causing some ulcers here and there with uh, with close to a 10 percent drop. So I'm assu- I'm assuming a little bit of that got spilled over into workday. But did they did they run into what did they like? I see a a, a drop off the shelf like this on the chart, and I just look at that and I think, well, did did somebody die? Was was there an accounting <laughs> problem? Like what like what happened? It ta- well, this all started back with Tableau Software reporting uh, less than expected results in February, and the entire SaaS software as a service industry fell in tandem with that. Okay, and keep in mind, Chris, these are companies that are never cheap. I mean, they're often selling ten. 12, sometimes up to 20 times sales. That's not even, that's that's price to sales um, ratios there. So the market has very little room for error for stuff like this. And when you get the heebie jeebies about somebody missing their own expectations like Tableau did, everyone's kind of wondering who's going to be the next shoe that's going to fall from this. We haven't seen that with Workday. I mean, you saw subscription revenue up 40% year over year, billings up 38%, still very strong numbers. But keep in mind, these are growth companies, they're at a premium valuation. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Bo Underwood in Jefferson City, Missouri. He writes, There's lots of talk in the tech and telecommunications space that 5G will be a game changer, especially when it comes to the Internet of Things. The question seems to be how soon this will happen, but even conservative estimates reference the year 2020. Do you buy the hype? And if so, what are the stocks to consider for the long term? Ericsson would seem to be a well positioned. Uh, stock, but it has been beaten up lately, and leadership has been filled with turmoil. Um, yeah. Also, on top of that, over the last couple of years, they've cut about thirty thousand jobs, and they have they have said just last month more job cuts are coming. So and we're talking about Ericsson, the company, not Simon Ericsson. Right. Oh, no. Okay. no. No turmoil. On no. That. This, okay. This Good. is a different Ericsson. Thank this... you for clarifying. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Chris, all these G's, you know, we've got 3G and then we've got 4G and then we've got 5G. 5G's got to be better, right? Always. It's, it's one larger. It's than 1G 4G. more. Yes, it's 1G better. Um, they're all based off of kind of the same thing, which is, which is called CDMA. This is basically you take all of the cellular spectrum. 
uh, wireless spectrum that we have out there for cell phones and cell towers. What does CDMA stand that for? That stands for Code Division Multiple Access. Okay, let's stick with CDMA. Okay, CDMA. I'm going to go with that one. But it's basically taking all the spectrum and slicing into very, very small frequencies that each user in each cell phone can use. So when I've got my cell phone, um, you're not picking up my phone calls. You're not looking at the same data on your cell phone, even though we're standing right next to each other. Very small slivers of frequency over a huge uh, band of cellular spectrum. And the company that developed all of that IP was Qualcomm. The ticker is QCOM. And for years, any device that was sold, any cell phone that could connect to a 3D, I'm sorry, 3G uh, is the standard for, for accessing the internet or accessing phones like that. And then 4G and then 5G, they always pay a royalty to Qualcomm, typically between 3, 4, 5% of the, of the cost of a cell phone goes directly to them. And I think, in my mind, that is, if you want to play the G's trend, Qualcomm is, is definitely one that's embedded enough and is going to be getting a, a solid stream of, of revenue from those royalties, especially as we're going from 2 billion cell phone users today, I'm sorry, 2 billion smartphone users today, to potentially 20 billion internet-connected devices by 2020. The interesting thing about 5G, too, um, is that it's no longer just people connecting with other people. We're so used to using the cell phone so that I can text message with you or I can call you. The new radio, 5G uh, NR um, standard, is going to be machines talking to machines, cars talking to other cars, hospitals talking to other hospitals, but it's all going to have to have that communication standard, and Qualcomm is definitely going to be embedded in that as well. So that's my play. That's my that's my one stock I really like of the G discussion. Uh, but before we move on to the Internet of Things broadly, I am I am curious uh, to go back to Bo's question because uh, this is a, a quite, and he's asking about Ericsson, but we get this question about a lot of companies over the years, and it's essentially um, the stock is beaten up. Company X shares are down. Um, there's a leadership question: Is this a buying opportunity or not? What, what what do you tend to look for in that situation? Are you are, you know do you, because we like to look at the numbers, but we also like to look at the management. And we have seen instances where a company stock gets knocked down. Uh, there's leadership leaving, and and you can look at that and go, you know what? They just need a new jockey for this horse. The underlying business is a strong one. They just need a better boss in the corner office. Underlying business is, the, is a key point of this. By, definitely. Um, you have to look, you have to do some digging and find out where is this company making its operating profits from. Uh, let's not forget Qualcomm sold a lot of the base stations to Ericsson, the company we're discussing right now. That's a hardware play. They didn't want to be into it, and now they're getting 85% of their operating profits at Qualcomm from this IP royalty stream. Um, if you're playing the Internet of Things and you're playing, you know, telecoms or whatever it is that, that has this trend, do the homework to see what is this business doing that's going to increase their sales, and more importantly, what are, where are they deriving their profits from? Um, it's very different. They are not the same. I mean, Verizon is not making the same money in the same way as Qualcomm is, which is not making money in the same way as Under Armour might be. All of those could be considered Internet of Things plays. But look through the 10K. Um, we offer a lot of advice, obviously, here in The Fool, but it's typically based off of where the profit stream's coming from. I tend to like it more on the standards and the things that are a little bit harder um, 
to to build around, but they're they're kind of at the center of the stack that everyone else is building off of, rather than more of the hardware plays. You'll see a lot of those in the Internet of Things too. So sticking with the Internet of Things, this is a, a phrase that's been around for a couple of years, and just as the use of the phrase has grown, so has I would argue the in, the industries uh, underlying it. Uh, when we talk about Internet of Things, we are talking, as you said, we're talking about machine-to-machine communication, uh, smarter devices, uh, smart homes, that sort of thing. Uh, where are you looking right now, as someone who I, I, I think was pretty early on the bandwagon in terms of the Internet of Things and the opportunities for investors? Are you looking more to the smart home for opportunities and stocks to potentially get a small bite of, or are you looking in other places? I think smart home will be interesting. I mean, Google Nest was kind of one of the front runners on that of using data to make get, let you make smarter decisions about how electricity is being used in your home and save your bills. From the consumer's perspective, at least, I think the one that I'm most interested in, Chris, is actually vehicle to vehicle communication. Something in XP Semiconductor has has been really been working on a lot in the last couple of years. But now that you're seeing the car rather than a vehicle, uh, it's kind of it's more of a data vehicle now, right? It's transmitting data all the time about where people are going, what they're doing. You're talking about ride sharing now. You're talking about autonomous vehicles, um, to name several of, 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 the, of the things that are using data. Several of the companies that are using the car is transmitting data now. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they start communicating with each other, not only from a safety perspective, but from a data perspective, too, on what our country is doing out there on the road. Where, where is... Google Nest right now. That was such when when Google bought Nest, and I want to say it was one and a half billion. I may be wrong on that, but I remember that was a very big story at the time, and it was seen probably rightly so as, boy, Google is really going after the smart home. I haven't really heard anything over the last year and a half or so since they bought it. What is that? Just something that they're quietly. I wouldn't put it past them to quietly work on it, and just all of a sudden they they come out of Google Labs and say, "Oh, here we go." Silently contemplating taking over the world. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, there's been some management shakeup at Nest. Okay. Um, a lot of it has been. Um, this is speculative, but there has definitely been a lot more. Uh, milestone uh, requirements from Google. With Ruth Porat now specifying, you have to hit certain milestones if you want us to, to loosen the purse strings for projects and stuff like that. And Nest was one of those other bets that was not immune from that, too. I think that all of Google is seeing a little bit more scrutiny from the financial perspective of things. And uh, I still think it's got big plans and big potential, Chris, even though we maybe haven't heard as much as when it was first getting a lot of hoorah. All right, keep the emails coming. MarketFoolery at Fool.com is our email address. Uh, before we get to our final story, I've got to say a word about Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Because if you've ever bought a home, you already know how frustrating and time consuming getting a mortgage can be. And Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century by taking all of the complicated, time consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. You can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button with Rocket Mortgage, and they'll help you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored for your own financial situation. And best of all, you can just do it on your phone or your tablet. So, if you're in that position, you're looking to refinance or you're thinking about buying a new home, do yourself a favor. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Let's talk about Uber for a second. Um, this, I become more and more interested in Uber as a business. Uh, 
because I think that they have done a really great job to this point as a private business, both in terms of their growth, in terms of the way they have navigated uh, the politics of their business, when you see how large cities have um, entrenched interests that maybe don't want Uber showing up on their door, and also the fact that Uber has resisted the urge to go public. And based on what report you read, pretty much every estimate puts Uber right now at a valuation of somewhere north of $60 billion. That's insane as a private company. But yes. um, is, is this a company that you look at and you are just chomping at the bit for them to go public, or at least file, so you can just look at all of their numbers? This is such an interesting company and an interesting story right now. Do we have an email address that listeners can send their opinions on Uber to us? Sure, marketfoolery at fool.com. Okay, I would love to hear what our listener, oh, what our dozens of listeners yes. are thinking about this story because this could go either way. There is no 100% this is a this is a colossal failure or 100% this is a huge success story out there at a $66 billion valuation for a private company right now which is breaking a lot of rules, doing a lot of things on its own terms, and really disrupting the auto industry as we know it out there. Um, first, on the good side, they are growing incredibly quickly. Bookings themselves, which is, which is non-GAAP, um, again, a private company, this is just kind of their internal metric that they're tracking of, of kind of a, a proxy for revenue. $3.8 billion last quarter, $5 billion this quarter. That's over a billion dollars quarter over quarter. They're growing incredibly fast as you've seen them expand basically across the entire globe. On the other hand, they're losing a lot of money right now. Um, they have have estimates that they've lost over a billion dollars in just 2016 so far, and four billion dollars over the lifespan of their company. And this is still just a private company that's, that's you know working off of VC money and, and other investments. But they've lost a lot of money, at least when you look at it from a, from a, from a profit perspective. So you have to balance is the valuation that is insanely high for a company that's not profitable and breaking rules worth the potential of disrupting the entire auto industry out there. Aswath the Motorin, a finance professor, uh, very highly regarded in the industry, thinks that this is incredibly overvalued. He thinks this company is worth about $20 billion from a valuation financial perspective. But then I've read several um, articles from Bill Gurley and from other VCs out there, venture capitalists, that say this is this is a great opportunity for investors right now if you can even get into Uber. Do any of these fees actually have money in Uber right now? Yes. Okay. Yes. So they're talking their own book. And and the the reason being is it's how you define the market. If the market looks like this today, is the market a lot bigger in the future when you have ride sharing and logistics sharing and and maybe it's no longer, you know, trucking is, is the standard for, for shipping things around the United States if we can just have people do this kind of stuff. A couple of interesting things with Uber that I, that I do want to bring up for this show that I think is very interesting is they have just um, seeded their operations in China. They've given that over to Didi uh, Chuxing, the Chinese company there that had 80% market share. Uber did not think that they were competitive in that market. They said, we will, we will go away in exchange for a small stake and some money. Uh, which is interesting, and that's, I think it's a negative development because Chinese regulatory policy is very pro ride sharing now, and and that was a very potentially lucrative market that they are exiting. And Didi is backed by all of the big players: Alibaba, Tencent, Baidu, Apple, 
and now even Uber has got a stake in this. So you almost see a monopoly forming around there, which is really good when you have a monopoly for a business, especially in a huge market like that. But the other thing that's interesting, Chris, is when you take an Uber, um, 80% of the fare you're paying is going towards the driver. Uber takes about a 20% cut just for having the app that runs that. But now we're seeing in Pittsburgh that Uber is testing out autonomous cars for Uber rides. They're working with Carnegie Mellon. These are cars that can go around certain neighborhoods of Pittsburgh, pick up riders. The fee is completely free as they're beta testing this right now. But they're saying now that that Uber is going to be significantly lower if you have self-driving cars than taking a taxi. And some people are even saying it's going to be cheaper than walking. I'm not sure I understand that one yet. (laughs) No, walking is free. That's what I thought, too. But apparently this is cheaper than free. But but the the concept is the the costs are coming down significantly. And um, do people really need to to buy a car and own a car if um, the costs are so much lower for you to, to do it this way? It, I, I'm reminded of uh, something that Tim Hansen said recently when he was in here and talking about what private companies do before they go public when they're getting all of their papers in order, all of their you know getting that S one that sort of thing, and not blaming them for it, but saying, look, if you're a private company, you're getting ready to go public, you're going to do whatever you can to make your numbers look as good as possible. And I think the company he mentioned. I think it was Arcos Dorados. I may be wrong on that, but I think it was Arcos Dorados that the 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 best quarter they they had was the you know the quarter that they that was included in their S one filing, and since then it's sort of been it's sort of been rocky. So it will be interesting to see. I mean, and and we've talked about this before. I'm I'm not looking for some huge rush of private companies to enter the public market just because. and It's much tougher in the public markets. I think Uber's been smart to sit on the sidelines as long as they have. But, but, um, but yeah, not, not as much as you, but part of me really doesn't want to see their S1. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you've got a lot more scrutiny if you're a public company on decisions that you're making, how you're spending your money, what, what, what is the management team thinking on this? And I I don't know, Chris. If I'm a $66 billion private company, maybe I want to keep all of that control, um, especially at this phase of, of Uber's life. I will say with $66 billion valuation, um, they've got a lot of options at their disposal on how they play this. And they're getting a lot of interest uh, globally right now and expanding their share. I mean, you see from the bookings and the revenue very quickly. Um, this could be one to keep an eye on and definitely keep on your radar. All right. So, just to go back to the email from listeners, uh, is the question, is it overvalued or undervalued? Or are you looking for like what's been your personal experience with Uber? Or is it both? If you're looking at the financials, this is very overvalued right now, maybe by a factor of three. If you're looking at the inputs of those financial models as flawed currently, and that the market is actually a lot larger than a lot of people are predicting, could be a good opportunity. Again, I want to hear the emails. I, w- I want to hear what listeners think because this could really go either way. All right. Buy, sell, or hold Uber. Drop us an email, marketfoolery at fool.com. Simon Erickson, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.